Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills Podcast. If you want more info on the things we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. All right, the end of Habakkuk 2, the fifth woe. Let me read it, and then Alex and I are going to have a spellbounding conversation. Spell oh binding. Spell binding. Spell no, bounding. we're not going to bind any spells. We are going to have an amazing conversation that will just keep you glued to your headphones. Please don't glue your headphones to your face. <laughs> Verse 18. What profit, and this is P-R-O-F-I-T, not like a, you, some people might think of, I'm saying prophet as in like, like PH prophet, prophet of God. Yeah. yeah. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies, for its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a stone thing, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. All right, let's talk silent idols. Yeah. We got some fun things to chat about. Uh, this <laughs> this is going to, this conversation might might feel a little weird. It, it's going to be totally, you know, okay for everybody to listen to compared to the last episode. But uh, it, it is going to, maybe venture into some weirdness and I'm just going to warn you now. So one of the things that when I was working on this sermon, I, I really wanted to, I wanted to expand on this concept, but the things I wanted to expand about in the, in the sermon as I did dealt with our culture specifically. So the idea of manifesting the idea of Mm -hmm. the secret and other, you know, false teachings that are out there. But one of the things that I find really odd that I want to dive into with you is we do live in a culture that is very much more open to things that whether you call them idols or whether you call them, you know, trinkets with purpose or something, I don't know what you want to call them, but we live in a culture that sort of acts like nothing's wrong with it. And it's not that big of a deal. And this is all kinds of different ideas, but I think probably the most pervasive would probably be the Ouija board. Yeah. And I think the, the poll is, our Western mindset tends to de-spiritualize things. Sure, absolutely. I think we're we're better at seeing the work of God in things, seeing how you know the Lord is at work. Uh, but in once in, in who who's got the famous quote that's like don't don't find the devil behind every bush or something like that? Is that C.S. Lewis? I I don't know who said it, but I've heard it a bunch, so yeah. I don't know who actually said it. So we we shouldn't look for the devil behind everything. Um, yeah, give it a quick look up while you're sitting here. Uh, but I think sometimes we forget that there are principalities, powers, and spiritual powers in this world that are true. And so because we've de-spiritualized everything, you see some of these, these very real spiritual idolatry type things. And we're like, oh, it's not a big deal because, because there's nothing in it. Like you pull out a Ouija board and for some people, half the fun is like, they don't actually expect this to connect to the spiritual world at all. They're just like, oh, it's just a cardboard board 
and a piece of plastic, and we're just going to stick our hands on it, but nothing really is going to happen. It's kind of like when you watch a horror movie. Like, you know it's not true. Like, it's fun to get into it and be like, oh, scared by it. No, that's crazy. But deep down in your heart, you know that nobody's really running around with with an axe killing people or there's not really clowns in the sewer or baby dolls that stab people. Uh, so it's it's kind of fun while you're doing it, but you know it's not true. I think some people take that mindset to every instance of idolatry or even satanic use of anything in our world today. And I think the point that you're going to push us into here, Chris, is that we should be a little bit more careful than that. Yeah, considerably so. And I, I can't find a good quote, so maybe you can look for it too, devil behind every bush or... It's every hedge. It's it's definitely in a song by the Cramps, but I think that they wrote it based on the saying, and I can't figure out where the saying came from. Here's what I want to say. So I don't know about you, Alex. Have you had an experience with a Ouija board? No. Not that you've used one, but have you ever had a kid in youth group that used it and wanted to get rid of it? No? No, I had I had when I was in youth group, I had a youth leader tell me that him and his friends like played around with one and what he said was they when they were done with it they kind of like just left it out and did something else and he said that the little finder tool like floated in the air for a little bit okay so i'm going to tell two stories and these are both true from my perspective because i was there for both of these experiences i have never used one because i i was told from a very very little age even though i didn't really know what i was doing that Messing with those is not good. Mm -hmm. So I went over to a girl's house in, I was probably fifth grade and she was a friend of mine and she's like, Hey, look at what my friend and I made. And they made one of their own. It was just a piece of paper and a little finder. And they were like, watch this. And they, they started like asking questions and moving the things around. And at first I just thought, you know, they're just messing with me, blah, 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 blah. But then they asked, are you there? And it, it moved toward the word. Yes. So I'm not touching the thing. I'm just in the room and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you guys are really funny. And then they're like, you mean moved on its own or moved? While they were holding said, it. Okay. And then it, they said, prove it. And it moved back to the yes. And all of the lights in the house went off at the same time. I got up and left and I did not come back home. I ran home and I was like, and they both swore to me the next, that we were the only ones in the house. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I was a fifth grader. I wasn't following Jesus yet. That that terrified me so much that I'm like, I'm definitely not messing with anything, right? I'm just not going to, I'm not even going to think about it. So then when I was in high school, we had a girl come to youth group actually here at Park Hills who claimed to be a witch. And she claimed that she had done a number of witchcraft spells and she claimed that she could change her hair color and her eye color. And, and you know, when, you, when you're talking to somebody, you're never sure how much they're just trying to get attention, right? How much they're trying to get you to notice things but she said she wanted to follow Jesus. And so we we went through Neil Anderson's Steps of Freedom. Have you ever done that with someone? No. So Neil, Neil T. Anderson wrote a book a long time ago called Steps of Freedom. And it basically is just a bunch of questions you ask people and give them a chance to repent of former sin and all that kind of stuff. Well, as we were doing the Steps of Freedom, she admitted that she had used a Ouija board and that she still had it and she wanted to get rid of it. So we went over and we began to like, you know, just take care of things. And as we... Uh, helped her get rid of things, she wanted to burn the Ouija board. And at this point, I left with, you know, I wasn't there the whole night, but when I left the Ouija board discussion, 
you know, everything was fine, but they were going to start a bonfire in the backyard and throw everything into it. And the stuff that they threw in the bonfire, you know, you know, bags full of little trinkets and things that she had used and all that. When they threw the Ouija board on the fire, it did not burn. Oh. They couldn't get it to burn. They had to take an ax out of the garage and begin to hack it up. And even then it didn't burn, no matter how small the pieces they made it into. And so those are the two experiences that I've had that I'm like, I'm never messing with that stuff. So coming back to reality here for a minute, what's ironic is our culture is full of things that we, we pretend to despiritualize everything, right? We don't talk about anything that's supernatural. We, do, we don't want to deal with any of it. So then we just sort of make it all like it's just a game. But what happens when you're playing a game and the thing that you're playing with actually takes on a life of its own? Wouldn't that be the most terrifying experience yeah. of your life? Yeah. So I love the passage in Habakkuk. And he's like, you know, these things are silent. Why would you yell to a wooden thing awake? Why would you yell to a stone, you know, a silent stone arise? I get what he's saying. You, like you're asking something that's inanimate to do something. The next question is what happens if that inanimate, inanimate thing actually does something? Yeah. And I didn't go into this with the sermon because it's, these are pointless. You know, I can't totally say what the stories are but but some things that are interesting to me is in the world that we live in paganism's on the rise like mm -hmm. I, I think i've read something like there were twenty thousand or thirty thousand you know people that called themselves pagans 10 years ago and now we're up to like 1.5 million people and i talked about the secret and manifesting in the sermon but i want to say what's really weird is we have a number of things in our culture that sort of just take paganism for granted Right. You can meet people and they talk about worshiping trees. I've heard of, you know, different things that happen in the woods where people are sacrificing things. When I was in high school, every once in a while, there would be a bunch of cats that would disappear in Freeport. <laughs> and then they would find them in the countryside, like on crosses. And those uh -huh. might be like people just being stupid. Right. But it also might have been actual seances and things to try to make things do things. And I think people sometimes mess with stuff because they think it's not that big of a deal. But at the end of the day, there is a spiritual world and it's very real and it can, you can do things that create problems for yourself without realizing it. So I don't believe that, the, for example, the devil's around every corner or behind every bush, but I do think messing around with that is just not necessary. And so what I find interesting in this passage is he's saying, you know, these things are pointless. Why are you doing this? What if those things suddenly aren't pointless? What if you go looking for something and you actually find it? What would you do at that point? Yeah. That's not a great place to be. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you mentioned the despiritualizing things. I think a good example of that is those cats. Like, what happened? Oh, we can we can come up with a logical explanation. You know, sure. somebody's just messing around, somebody's just just goofing around. But I think we forget that there are true powers. And we've had this conversation before of, you know, what you look at the ancient Near East and all these gods, these Baals and Ashtoreths and all them, are they just somebody? carved out an image and said, I'm just going to bow down to this image? Sure. Or did they carve an image and invite a spiritual being, what what we would in sure. common term call a demon, sure. invite a demon to, uh, you know, I don't know, can you indwell a log that you carved? I don't know. But just represent, or did that just represent a demon? Like they were influenced exactly. by a demon and then carved an image to say, this is an image of the demon that I have in my head. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's why so many uh, ancient mythologies have similarities. Is it, right. there's, there's a true spiritual power behind that. Now it's certainly not as powerful as God is, right? Um, but it's still there. And I think our effort to despiritualize everything has left us maybe 
not thinking about, hey, these these things that seem kind of silly to us, and sometimes even Christians can get get into them and kind of dabble or participate because we see them as harmless. Like, oh, we we serve the one true God. All this stuff is just an idol. It doesn't mean anything. Without really realizing, like, no, there there are actually some power. It's a minor power compared to God Himself, Yahweh. But there's minor power, and and we should be a little bit more careful about mm-hmm. what we're participating in, because you've seen this kind of push its way into our culture in what seems like benign ways, mm-hmm. but is a little bit more than that. Oh, totally. And I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced that like Harry Potter is evil, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I think the story actually has more Christ themes in it than most people realize. But I understand why people would be very hesitant about it. And the Old Testament does tell us, don't practice witchcraft, don't do these things. And I think sometimes when we read in the Old Testament and it says things like, don't do this, we think, well, that's because it's not real. Or he's telling us not to do it because he knows that there's actual power behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, Elisha is is dealing with the, these people that keep coming back to him trying to you know cause problems. And finally, isn't it him that tells his servant, like, open your eyes? Yeah. And then the servant sees all of the armies on the hill, and he's right. like, so what's saying that a person who is worshiping a demon couldn't eventually see the demon in the similar way that Elisha is able to open his servant's eyes? Right. Who's to say that if you've got a people that a bunch of people that are around a circle doing a seance together, that they couldn't manifest something that yeah. they actually see, and then they build an idol to it and say, okay, now we're going to worship this thing. Again, the idol isn't the thing but the idol could be in front of the thing, so to speak. And who's to say that that thing isn't capable of giving a command to someone who's worshiping it? You know, it's very possible that that a a being exists that's running around acting like a bull and telling people, give me your babies. And then all of a sudden they start sacrificing their babies to it. And we're like, well, it's just Baal. It's a fake, it's a fake God. It's not real. Baal's not real. Who's to say that it isn't a demon who's telling people what to do? And that's really uncomfortable for people. And I understand that that would be uncomfortable. But the reality is there's nothing in the scripture saying that that isn't true, that there wouldn't be somebody who's telling people to do things. Now, with that said, does that mean everything is that? No. So, for example, one of the illustrations I wanted to talk with you about, and uh, and I'll I'll be quiet for a little bit. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I find really interesting is, you know, there's a collider that they built in – in Europe called the CERN, right? It's it's, it's, a particle thing. Yeah, it's a particle collider. And their goal is to try to find, they're looking for the particle that maybe started creation off, right? So they're they're looking for the Big Bang, basically. The the God particle, they call that. Yeah, so the Hosen Bigs. They're they're calling it, you know, the God particle. They're trying to, uh, or the Boson Higgs. I I switched those two. Uh, They're looking for this particle, so they built this collider. What's really strange is in front of this building, they've actually put a statue to Shiva, which is the goddess of Indian deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And so they put this statue up of her, and then they did a little festival before they actually opened the building and sort of dedicated the place to Shiva. And again, in a despiritualized culture, we would say, well, that's not a big deal. Who cares? It's not a- Yeah. Like, oh, it's just like a silly little... <laughs> Like, to which I go back to, let's not mess with that. Yeah. You know, it, let's let's just not play that game. Let's not do this. If we're doing things in the name of science, then what kind of, why is there a connection to religion at all? Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. So we have a culture that'll say separation of church and state. And we're all happy about that until we just, you know, we just do this for this reason. We're just, oh, we're just offering a sacrifice to this God. Not a big deal because that's not real. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's, that's scary to me. 
What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, <laughs> just I, dropping a bomb in your lap, like, hey, yeah, hey, Alex, how do you feel about? Well, that? I was gonna, you know, I, I hope leading up to this, we've seen that. Yeah, that's that's very dangerous. It's dangerous because we don't sometimes know the the power behind it that we're starting to dabble dabble with and open ourselves up to. You know, you said you said that power could convince someone to do something. And I think that power can also do some things on its own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe the reason people pray to these fertility gods is because in some instances that minor power is able to make someone fertile or is able to make the ground fertile or, you know, brings better crops. And so, um, you know, I mean, this, this even came up last night with, with Nerissa and I, we had our boys and uh, we were watching um, that that Disney movie, uh, The Princess and the Frog. And so I'm not saying sure. like this, you know, if you've watched this, you're a bad person. But even in there, there's enough references to voodoo. Yep. And they've got that song, you know, he's got friends on the other side. And we're just like, we don't want this in our home. We don't yeah. want this this type of thing because... Not because we think that by watching this, we're inviting demons into our house, but because this movie trivializes the reality of bad, of idolatry and bad spiritual mm-hmm. powers. Of It trivializes voodoo and makes it, oh, you know, look, oh, it's it's in the movie. They sing a silly song about it, but we say, oh, but that's none of that's real. None, you know, it's all just pretend. It's all just fake. Well, actually it's probably not as pretend as we would like it to be. It's sure. We love to talk about our guardian angels. Oh, yeah, my guardian angel this, my guardian angel this, and a lot of people believe that they have a guardian angel. But but we don't like to talk about the the tempting spirits right. that are all around us and the, the ones who are out not for our good, for our bad. Oh, that that's just pretend. The guardian angel, that stuff we can buy into, but the, the tempting spirit around us the destroying powers around us no 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 no. well that that's all pretend like oh let's let's be really careful yeah i agree and if you if james is able to say test the spirits why in the world would would the apostle james tell us to test the spirits unless there are spirits that are both good and evil and that we should discern which ones are for us and which ones are against us 